gagged at two girls, one cup. You cringed at two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. Now it's time to get uncomfortable with Two Nobodies, One Podcast. This is Here's My Movie. Here's my movie! It's been a while since we've done that, have we? Yeah, oh my gosh. Um, well, that was a weird four months. That's <laughs> <laughs> like the gas leak season in community. What year is it? Yeah, oh my it's god. It's only been a week, right? No. Done a, what? It feels like a month. I don't it's been know. a month. At least a month. No, it's I think it was I think it was August or something the last time that we did it and it's it was July. It was actually July. And it I was not for down. want of trying or desire to do so. Um we've had a really really insanely busy four months and I know that everybody says that when they've failed to do whatever creative endeavor they've been pushing but uh for us yeah, we've just it has just been insanity. Have you found? Have you seen that movie, Limitless? Yeah, that's like that's our lives. We've discovered. Except we're um, just we're without any kind of like pharmaceutical help. Yeah. On on making yeah on making things better or easier. Last so, year yeah. was a learning experience, uh, and what I learned, I'm not, I won't speak on behalf of Katie, but maybe this is, will resonate, is that when it comes to work, no matter how busy I get, I will still say yes to more work and I won't find a limit or dead, like I don't break, I just keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not good, it's not healthy, but so I am limitless. Therefore I have learned that I shouldn't do that. However, as a human being, nobody is limitless and a little piece of you will break off everything you say yes to. And I say this as someone who is a very, very poor teacher in any of this stuff because I do exactly the same thing and 2020 is going to be the year of me just not being as productive <laughs> with things that I don't enjoy as much as podcasting and my own writing so yeah there you go hey do we introduce ourselves on this show I just, I don't even remember uh, I'm Katie like do we do no <laughs> please people who are listening to this still can you write into us and remind us if we introduce ourselves but yeah, I'm, I'm Nate. Do I call myself Nate? I don't know. Okay, so I'm Nate and that's Katie. She yeah. never calls herself that around me, so. What do I call myself? Young Catherine, I think you describe yourself as. Yeah, that's what you call me. <laughs> True. <sighs> yeah. So. But look, um, yeah, look, it's been really busy. This is something that I want to do far more often. Um, apologies. And we've almost certainly lost our initial listeners, but hopefully we'll pick up some more. No way. Um, They'll be back. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, it's fine. A lot of podcasts sort of start off strong and then have a dip and then, you know, eventually it all clicks and there is momentum. So that is what we're striving for in 2020 and um, we will get there the best way we can. This is something that we really enjoy and we're kind of just doing it for us, but momentum is one of the most important things in, <laughs> in crafting a successful podcast and having uh, – you know, a continuity in, in episode release and just diligence and that sort of stuff. So I am more than mindful of all of that. I just have not executed it very well. So well, Neither of us have. No, no, no. And it's because, you know, we do stuff like go to Thailand for our first holiday in 
four years and you get the flu and then I get a concussion. Yeah. Yeah, that was, <laughs> you know, the universe's way of saying don't take a break, I guess. You could glean that from that experience. But yeah, yeah. I, got, I got sick, uh, which is the story of my life. There's probably several episodes where I've mentioned that. Oh, yeah, I got sick or I went away on a trip overseas and I got sick and I was really busy and I was sick. So there was a period last year where I was just seemed to be perpetually coughing which is like, I'd love to record a podcast, but I don't think you want to hear me coughing all the time. No, probably not. So, but now I take multivitamins and I've decided that that works. I'm healthy now, forever. You take sugar-coated gummy vitamins. I can't just, swallow pills. <laughs> just to be very clear. I love about. chewables. Chewables are the, the best. Yeah, yeah. Get a chewable. Is that, what, is that the street name? Chewable? Is that you doing Liam Neeson? Get a chewable up here. Is that how he talks? It's been so long, Oh, Liam. look, I don't know. And this um, is, of course, the second of our promised episodes, right? This is the second in the uh, Liam Neeson doing sad things in snow. Yeah, so we're not, we're not rebooting. Like, we're not, you know, Disney. We're not soft rebooting, sequeling. This is actually the continuation of that promise. You know what? If we hadn't made that promise, we probably never would have done another episode. That's but, not true. That's not true but, at all. But, don't, uh, don't say things like that that you can't take it back. Weighed, it weighed on us. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say, though, uh, listening to the intro, as, as we do, we've got a fancy uh, road uh, procaster, podcaster deck thing, and there's all sorts of fancy buttons and shit on it, um, and it means that it's like a preamp. Um and it means I can press a button and then our, our theme song plays and then we can just start talking and it makes the editing process much easier for me. And, like I said, taking time back in 2020 to do things I love and sound editing the podcast is not, not one of them really. I mean, it's better than other things and, like, you know, having diarrhoea poisoning, but it's not the best thing. So, um, but, yeah, so what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, I was listening to the theme song and... Part of the thing that I thought was very funny at the time when um, I wrote the jingle and worked with our awesome producer, uh, Kid Conley, was, you know, you gagged at two girls, gagged at two girls, one cup, you something or other at two guys, <laughs> two guys, a girl in a pizza place. Does anybody actually fucking remember that show at all? No, but it was it was for the, the writing lols, right? Well, yeah, but... It, <laughs> I failed miserably because I don't think anybody remembers that show. And if they do, they watched two episodes before it in inevitably got moved to the 10.30 p.m. slot <laughs> on a Monday. All good shows go to die. Yeah, yeah. So um, so what you're saying is that we are going to have to soft reboot our intro. <laughs> We're going to need a new intro, yeah. I, I don't know. I think maybe we should look at something different. Um because I, I have very vague memories of that show and it was sort of like horsing around on Bojack Horseman, like with the, you know, and that's the thing. And then, oh, you didn't. Like it was really just, yeah, terrible. So I, I don't know that I want to continue with that reference because right. it shows that I have not moved on since the 90s. And while that may be true, I don't want to advertise the fact. When was uh, Two Girls, One sh Cup shot? <laughs> um. 
He asks, expecting Katie to have the answer. Let me bring up the porn equivalent of IMDb. <laughs> Fuck, is it on IMDb? Maybe it is. It would be. But probably. that was like the 90s, right? No. No? I don't think so. I think that it was probably early 2000s. Right. Um, we are really I, I, rem- I remember it being like a 2005, like, 4chan thing. Right. Back, back before 4chan was not taken over by Stormfront Forum neo-Nazis, back when it was just... The average old days. The Just, well, yeah, back when it was just, like, neckbeards that said, you know, stupid, dumb stuff all the time and had, like, anime wives and body pillows and shit. But they used to post stuff like that, you know, and, um, and, and like hack people that deserved it and stuff like that. So that was back in the good old days of 4chan, not that I hung out there much. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was an early 2000s thing. But is our show not reliving older movies through a contemporary lens? Yeah, it is. Therefore, it you've is. created the most meta of <laughs> intros. Oh, I'm Kate such Rota. a genius. I'm such I think it's great. Genius. I also think it's great that um, everyone is now involved in our Here's My Movie podcast meeting. Yeah, sorry about that. No, that <laughs> no, was my fault. No, I it's just, great. They should write in and they should tell you that you shouldn't replace it because it's amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, look, okay, write in and tell me what it should be instead of that stupid sitcom. I believe it only went for like two seasons as well. Nobody would remember it. I there, remember there the has name, to though. be a better reference. If you can find me something better, I will change the theme song. Thanks. Right, but the challenge has guidelines, right? So it has to be witty, disgusting porn reference plus what nineties TV show. Yeah, no, no, but we want to keep the porn reference, or do we want something different? I don't know. You said the guidelines. No, no, I just want the fucking pizza place bullshit. That's gone. what you want. Yeah. Gone. Why don't you just bleep it or replace it with whichever button makes Liam Neeson say that line that you fucking love so much? I'm never removing that from the preset. Which by one the way. is it? It is the yellow button, yellow for AIDS. Yeah, prove when, it. When I when I press it, it does this. As I said before, I've got full blown AIDS. We are nothing if not a mature podcast. As I said before, I've got full blown AIDS. <laughs> He doesn't, I don't think. Um, but yes, I, I'm just, I feel really embarrassed when I hear that theme now. So I think I need to. But you know what? Some person somewhere said this thing that a lot of stupid startups always say. Um, and it's only the few successful ones that you hear about that repeat this quote. And it's, if you're not embarrassed by what you shipped, you shipped too late. And that means that, you know, you've got a product, you've got software, you've got a stupid fucking podcast theme and you just want to get it out there to get the ball rolling. If you're not embarrassed by it, then you shipped it too late. If you spent all this time trying to make it perfect, then you fucking missed the boat. So, you know. And didn't you buy a preamp so that you don't ever have to listen to it? You can just put it on, put it online? Yeah. Yeah. So all right, well then actually... You don't uh, have to right. listen to it ever again. All right, well I won't, I all won't. people are going to write in and you're going to be like, I don't care, I don't listen to that. I don't listen to it. Yeah, just skip it, I don't Why care. Don't you just fast forward through it. I'm you a fucking maverick. Do I care? No, I don't. Do I listen to it? I don't. Better things to do. Do I care about your feelings? Fuck no. You can be her wingman anytime. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, now I've got that out of the way. Now we do. Let's... Um Intro plus apology. We did the apology. We did. Did Sorry. sorry? Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Sorry. not sorry. I'm sorry. Katie's sorrier than I am. 
I just yeah. like live my life a quarter mile at a time. So, so whatever. So you are the Maverick. No, that's a Fast and the Furious. Reference. I don't care, man. I do. <laughs> hey, is that the crossover that the world needs? No, no, it isn't. No, no. At what point will this podcast cover Iron Eagles one through five? <laughs> what did did we talk about this recently? Maybe. Are there five? They keep coming out. There's one from like two years ago. Oh, my God. That was like there weren't many uh, movies on rotation in uh, Castle de Lawrence where I grew up. But you know what? Fucking Iron Eagle something was. I'm pretty sure we glossed over one and two and really liked three if that had the World War II planes. Whatever had the World War II planes, we were all about, even though it made little to no sense. Uh, But, yeah, fuck yeah. But – what would we change? Nothing. We'd just say make Iron Eagle into the Fast and Furious franchise that the world deserves. Yeah, it's kind of like I believe they've tried to do exactly what you've, you've put out there just then, except they've got a budget of $470 for each film. Stock footage of planes <laughs> flying by. <laughs> And fucking Getty Images would still probably send them a cease They've got the watermark yeah. there. They just hide it with a cloud. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's got a Shutterstock logo. Yeah, if you zoom it. in on our 480p <laughs> version, because we can't afford a 1080p render, let alone a 4K rip, uh, you can see, clearly it says, property of Get Fucked. Yeah, Getty Fucked. They tried to sue me once. They didn't. Wankers. I called their bluff. They said I paid for an, didn't pay for an image and... Didn't use it correctly. I paid for the image. I did use it correctly. Boom. Lawyered. I didn't have a lawyer, but they chose not to sue me. This is the thing, though. Through lack of, <laughs> through lack of evidence on their part. This is like yeah. the next time a massive movie comes out. Uh, so the next Marvel movie. What is the next Marvel movie? Black Widow. Is it, Bla- it is Black Widow. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> You're absolutely yes. right. And you say Black Widow as being funny. Yes. But there will probably be... A budget version, or sorry, not version, but a movie called Black Weirdo, which just now sounds way worse than originally when I heard it, <laughs> or or something like you know Black Spider, or very similar sounding title, or it'll just have Black Widow in it, mm. the other Black Widow or something, for yep. instance, right, where they they can dodge past the copyright responsibilities of not ripping off someone else's trademark, right? Yeah, but ironically. They're also hoping that that movie gets pirated up the wazoo because what they do is they just jump onto BitTorrent, take screenshots of all the IP addresses of people who don't know what a VPN is, and then they send like a letter, a legally threatening and enforceable, I believe, letter saying, we got you, here's the evidence, we can take you to court for X amount of tens of thousands of dollars, but you know what's your lucky day? Why don't you just give us five grand? And we'll call it a day. And a lot of people pay that. And so these movies become very profitable, so I hear. Hmm. Which is, I guess, a version of our show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably before us. So if they are listening to this, they're probably going to send us a $5,000 for ripping off their idea of ripping off movies. Nah, fuck them. Fuck them. Yeah. Get, get, getty fucked. Getty fucked, yeah. No, um, but that's interesting, and yeah, I wish I'd thought of that first. But not being particularly soulless, and <laughs> not being particularly litigious, I probably wouldn't care. Yeah, um, yeah. 
but anyway, whenever I think Iron Eagle is probably one we should do eventually. Um, and it's <laughs> it's my it's my now default joke answer to the what's your favorite movie question um, at work. Which number though? Well. At work, we were like, what, what are your top three movies? And I said Iron Eagle, Iron Eagle 2 and Iron Eagle 3. And in no particular order, yeah. No, no, no. Um, so I would recommend also doing that because a lot of people haven't seen it. I've only seen the first one and I haven't seen the others. But What happens in it? I can't remember. All I can remember is like a lot of bellowing and the sound isn't quite mixed correctly. So you just hear a lot of jet engine and the right. dialogue sort of is very muddy because it's not mixed properly. So it's a bit it's like quality. this podcast, yeah. What? This is, we spent all this money on this thing. No. I was wanting to record it into fucking an old iPhone. <laughs> and Katie was like, no, we can't do that. And I was like, oh, but please. Like, no, no, production quality is very important. Later, you, right? Yeah. First. Yeah, maybe. No, but I like new things that are I fun. know you do. I know you do. Yep. All right. What's next on our... We have a new segment. We do. Because, you know, we haven't made 10 podcasts yet and we do whatever we want. <laughs> this is podcast episode number nine, 009 I've written down as if like we're going to get to 999 and then maybe beyond. We might. You don't know we won't. No, I know. I know. But that's like a lot. We aim, we, aim, we aim high. We do 52 a year. Mm. once a week. Mm. That's just shy of 20 years. Yeah. I have nothing on. Nothing on. No. Forever. No. Well, then we should I do, do. More no, than we've, we've actually <laughs> we've got too much on. Yeah. But I plan on having nothing on, at least for a part of every week, for the next until I'm you know until I die. So yeah, that's fine. Forever. Mm. Yes. Thanks for tuning in again, sports fans, or whatever people say in the future. They yeah. Sports esports fans, maybe. <laughs> Hello. No. Um. And and then the podcast will be the the uh, the gramophone of the era. Um. And we'll still be plugging them out. So prepare for that. We'll just be technological curveball live yeah. to people's ears, whether they want to hear us or not. No <laughs> mute function. Put a paywall on it so they Definitely. have to pay money to not hear us. Yeah. When they're in the middle of whatever it may be. Yeah. A funeral. Yeah. A job interview. Yep. Their wedding. The birth of their first child. <laughs> All up in stirrups and shit going, fucking turn it off. <laughs> That's no. exactly how we become rich. No, madam, we shan't turn it off. <laughs> New so, segment. Yep. It's called New at the Flicks. <laughs> oh, gee, you thought hard about that name. Can you tell I'm a writer? Uh, that's, I hope, a working title. I'm sure I'll. New at the Flicks. What about flicking the bean or something? Flicking the Corn. Flicking the corn. Popcorn, you know, huh? You know what? It's better than mine. We'll stick with it. No, I hate it. Forever. I hate it. Shut up. It's I official. hate flicking it. The, flicking the corn. I love it. I love it. Flicking the bean, my God. I know. I just was like flicks. I was no. riffing on flicks. You should have cut me off when you knew that. I, you knew I was going to go there. I didn't. You didn't know I was going to say but bean. Knew at the flicks, really? Yeah, that's what I wrote down. Knew at the flicks. You know that that would have been at like... <laughs> You know, that would have been the name of the one-paragraph reviews in a regional newspaper in 1989. So you would have read those in Tamworth? Probably, yes, but I was two at the time. You're reading so it too. I was now. not reading it too. I'm just saying it's reflective <laughs> of that situation. Yeah, it's a callback. Remember, we're a callback show. Oh, I see. It's retro, so it's cool. 
No, right, I know okay. it's terrible. I, I put an asterisk next to it. It's like, you know, when we have our other meeting. What if we put it in like a neon font? I don't know how to do that with a pen. How do you know the pen? Shut up. Do you want to talk about what's new at the f- corn? <laughs> or flicking the corn fields? I don't know what it was. Uh, yeah, so we're just going to talk about movies that are coming out. We're going to make some predictions about how we feel about them, mm. maybe whether they're going to be an episode. And then later on, when we get to episode later, you know, we're going to come back and go, ha ha, you said this, I said that. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, or people will just remind us. So new at the flicks, this week, well, it came out last week, but I'm going to count as this week, Underwater. Have you heard about Underwater? I have heard about Underwater. We were supposed to go and see it, Mm -hmm. but I was inundated with work. You might say I was drowning in work. Hello. It's being described as alien under the sea. What are the reviews like so far? I think they're middling. Hmm. That's okay. I can do middling. Like for me... Horror movie, six out of ten. I, if I was excited about it, that does not take any wind out of my sails. Anything six or t- six out of ten or above for a horror is decent. Yeah, true. Yeah, which is you know horror just kind of I don't know. People, the critics don't really love that, do they? I think it's sitting on about a fifty-five or sixty on Metacritic. That's uh, okay. Kirsten Stewart. Is it Kirsten, Kristen, Kristen Stewart. Is it really Kristen Stewart? Yeah. Who's Kirsten Stewart? Is that somebody? There's Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten. Kirsten. Yeah. Like kiss to girls. I invited her via MySpace to my 18th, so I should know. Have you checked your messages? She got back to me three years later. Oh, what'd she say? Thanks, but I can't. Oh. <laughs> like, I know you can't. My 21st? Do you want to come to my 21st? Did you? Did she get no. back to you three years after <laughs> that? And you're like, oh, I'm getting ahead of this. I'm inviting you to my 30th. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for her response this year. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> 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 no, it's, yeah, it's Kiss and Dunst. I think. Well, that's she, probably why, because you got her name wrong. She's like, this sounds like a person who calls me Kisten or whatever you just said. Fuck. <laughs> but it's better than Stuart, whatever you Is that what I said? <laughs> I sounded like a dying bee and then was able to pronounce Stuart as my, my death breath. Kristen Stewart. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm not overly familiar with her work outside of I know that she was in Twilight mm. playing a fence post, I believe. <laughs> Um, which is, you know, I'm, I'm okay with saying that because I think she's actually since been quite talented. I really liked her in Snow White and the Huntsman. Was that yes, the movie? Yes, yeah, and The Runaways. She's amazing in that. I haven't seen that. Well, she plays Joan Jett and I love Joan Jett. Okay, so, so she yeah. does well. She's like fantastic. old mate who's become Batman now, Robert Pattinson? Yes. Oh, God, did I get it right? Is it she Robert did. Pattinson? Yes, she did. Okay, yeah. So he he's a very good actor, but obviously they didn't get to really – Flex in those movies. No. And I've only seen trailers, piss takes, and 45 minutes of Twilight. Because yeah. at that stage I was a young, naive idiot who thought I couldn't possibly tear shreds off something that I hadn't seen. Right. How wrong I was. I gave up when he started glowing. Uh, <clears throat> anyways, I think Alien Underwater, I'm in. I don't care. Sounds yeah. great. Can't step outside, so there's an easy... Thing where I don't have to yell at a movie, you know, with dumb people. Like, just leave the fucking house. It's haunted. Just leave the house. Just get out of the car. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just do the obvious thing. Okay, you can't. You've no. got to deal with the problem because there's a bigger problem that will kill you outside. Yeah. So I'm about it. I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be better than a 55 or a 60. But that kind of rating range is ripe for the uh, here's my movie treatment. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah. And uh, look, I think horror films are a bit of an easy one to do because horror seems to be the most polarizing of all the genres. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, I, I lump horror in with comedy, right? In yeah, yeah. Comedy is only a good comedy if you laugh at it, right? Mm-hmm. And someone says, that was the shittest comedy I've ever seen. You don't usually need to say why because they didn't laugh. I've rarely met anyone who's laughed their ass off at a movie and said that was trash. I mean, we watched Freddy Got Fingered. Yeah. Katie had never seen Freddy Got Fingered, <laughs> although she had been exposed to certain quotes from it. Yeah. Perplexingly. Yeah. Uh, and what do you think? Should people go, if they've never seen Freddy Got Fingered, should people now avoid it? No, no. Um, this is going to, like, this will destroy any credibility that I have as someone that interprets film. Not that I had any to begin with, but, you know, whatever. You're in the negatives, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to plunge into the, into the negatives with this. Um, it, look, it is, it is clear to me that it's an absurdist comedy and they're not for everybody and not everybody was going to enjoy it. If I put my, like, critic hat on, it does that job of being an absurdist comedy extremely well. And I found it hilarious mostly. Um, And I I totally get that that style of humour is really going to alienate a lot of people and a lot of people who like comedy and even a lot of people who are willing to try new things. Like it's, it's, it's one of those thing. I think that there are so many elements that come together in that, that it's going to offend or not be funny to, to someone. But I, I found it quite hilarious and I was, I, I always avoided it cause I'm like, it must be a, just the worst unwatchable piece of shit ever. If it got a Razzie and it's, you know, Tom Green, like who weirdly was, going out with Drew Barrymore. I'm still trying, I'm still reeling from that. It's like uh, Claire Danes and that Ben Lee, oh, Ronald yeah. McDonald motherfucker from Australia. <laughs> like, yeah, like it just doesn't make any, it just makes no logical sense. But I actually, I quite liked Tom Green on um, MTV and stuff like that. And I thought he was quite funny. Um, and yeah, it was, it was really, it was really cool to visit that moment in my life where, you know, Jackass was on and stuff like that. And I always found that stuff pretty funny. But I am, you know, childish and laugh at things that I like that. So. But that's your sense of humour. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. Some people really love highbrow, hoity-toity humour. Um, I can appreciate that stuff to a certain degree, but, yeah. But I still laugh at fart jokes. Same. You know, uh, slapstick. Yeah. Love slapstick done well. Slapstick done well is really hard, Agreed. and and so yeah, it it's it's an achievement when that's like something that someone can pull off, especially in a film. Yeah, so similar to that horror, um, and I guess I mean we may do an episode on it if Katie gets her way, but um, fucking Midsummer, which I can't go too much into, but I guess I gave it away. Uh, was. Described by a lot of people, and, and including people who, I uh, whose movie opinions not only do I respect, but I felt that I was aligned with, mm. who just called it amazing and triumphant and all this sort of stuff, and it's really done my head in because I feel that this is kind of proving the point that horror is just as subjective 
in its enjoyment as comedy, right? Like, so if you laugh at a comedy, it's effective. If you are frightened in a horror movie or it scares you or any of those sort of emotions that you would go to a horror movie for, then it succeeds. Mm. And if it doesn't, then like a comedy that you don't laugh at, you probably hate it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... um. And especially if you like, if you go into a horror film, especially one that's like taking itself very seriously and how it's going to terrify people, and you end up laughing at it, like game over for that movie. Uh, if it can be easily made fun of, that will crack any tension, especially if you're watching it with friends or at a cinema. Um, and I, all I will say is that did not happen when I watched Hereditary. Yeah. Yeah. So horror is subjective. So I'm, I'm going to be interested to see it. If it's anything like comparing it to Alien, that's that's high praise. But it's also uh, hallowed territory, right? Yeah. Like if you, go, if you gun for that and you fall slightly short, it's still going to be good, which is like uh, Life, I think, was the most recent one. That was, But that was basically just Alien because it was in space. <laughs> Yeah. And it was in a spaceship, so similar situation. But that was a like that was the best Alien movie since Aliens 3. And yes, I do like Aliens 3. You can quote me on that. You should too. Uh, I don't think you have to love it, but I think you should like it. And uh, yeah, I think that this has a potential to be good. The trailer looks great. And speaking of horror, the other one that's coming out this week mm-hmm. is The Grudge. Yeah, yeah. Called The Grudge. I believe it's a soft reboot. Yeah. I never saw the Japanese version. It was Japanese version, right? It was ringing uh, grudge were the two ones yeah. that everyone was losing their minds over. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, people listening. Uh, but yeah, I know that the grudge was a remake. I really was terrified by the remake of the grudge. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's, it's scary, yeah. scared the fuck out of me. There was that one bit with the lady going into her apartment mm. and I wanted her to die just to have attention release. Like, and, you, and I liked her. I liked her character. So, it, you know, I felt for her, but I was like, I was so, my skin was ready to just jump off and get on the next plane out of here mm. <laughs> because I was so tense. I'm like, just kill her already so I can just yep. sit back down and relax. Now, that's that's a sign of a good like yeah. horror movie. And, and that was hereditary for me. Like, I, I don't want to, like, Midsummer is by the same director, uh, slash writer and I I don't want to cross that over too much in this episode but yeah for me that was just so well done and it is held together by incredible performances from you know Tony Collette and others so Gabriel Byrne etc um, and that can sort of make or break a, a horror film as well like um, poor actors can ruin any semblance of dramatic tension and stuff like that, you know, even if everybody else is kind of trying to do their best. So, um, but I am, I'm really looking forward to uh, Underwater eventually. I think that especially if it's alien underwater, that's a very interesting premise. Yeah, it could go really right or it could go really wrong. So um, I'm, I'm hopeful. Like I was actually bummed that I had to cancel the screening that we're going to go to because I had stupid work to do. Um, so yeah, I'm hanging out for the, the home release of that. And I think the good thing these days with missing a cinema release is I just generally wait for the 4K version mm. and it looks better. I don't have to 
worry about wanting to punch the back of the head of some fuckwit who uses their phone during the movie, either answering calls. That doesn't tend to happen anymore. No, no, they it's playing just Candy Crush or pull something. Pull their phone bullshit. out and go, oh, I got a Facebook message. I'm going to reply to that. Like, mm. what the fuck is wrong with people? <laughs> I know. I love the idea of, I used to love the idea of seeing movies at the cinema. Now, these days, I hate it. The only reason I go to see movies is because I want to see them. Like, I'm excited to see them because I'm impatient. Yeah. Uh, and then when I miss them, I get a little bit disappointed. And then I'm like, hang on. So I just get to wait for it to come out in a few months in a superior format where I can pause it, where I don't get rotted in the candy bar if I want to, you know, have some popcorn or some snacks. Mm. And I don't have to worry about wanting to rage at somebody for being on their phone or talking. Yeah, I know. It's bullshit. It really is. Um, and there's not, like, a whole lot that is done about it unless there's some like giant dude in the audience that speaks up and says something. Um, like, as I remember when we watched uh, Rise of Skywalker, the like everybody was there for the midnight screening, obviously high anticipation, and there was a whole bunch of like kids that were, I don't know, they looked and sounded under 14, and they were already like before the previews had even started like throwing crap at each other and like yelling and screaming and a guy just got out of his chair and he said, if you're like this during the whole movie, I'll go ask for the whole lot of you to throw it, to be thrown out. So I'm not going to put up with it. And then there was just kind of dead silence in that part of the theatre for the rest of the experience. But, um, yeah, I'm finding that increasingly I'm, I like to hermit when it comes to films because of bullshit like this constantly. We had uh, a, an experience that I would say was arguably worse because – the organisers of the cinema had, this is for Frozen 2, the yeah. cinema had deliberately said this was like what a mature screener. It was an adults-only screening. Which makes it sound very sexy for yeah. you know, an animated movie. But my understanding, or at least my interpretation of that, is that that means no one below what, the age of 18? Or do they make it a little bit younger? Do they actually say? Do they qualify that? No, it was 18 plus. So, um, and you paid more for it. Yeah, for the pleasure yeah. of not having to put up with, bless their hearts, who doesn't like the sounds of children playing, children. Yeah, and I think it was it was at like nine thirty p.m. as well. So yeah, um, so there's even a better chance. Like they've put it at an appropriate time slot. Yeah, and you know, not they to fleeced say you for more money. Yeah, but it worked out perfectly, didn't it? Like that's how this story ends. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely no. Um, but yeah, the. So we'd deliberately done this, like this was deliberately set up because, you know, A, time commitments on, on our, you know, on mine and my friend's sides, but also, you know, it, it obviously it's an experience that is for kids at the end of the day. And so you do expect the cinema to be absolutely packed with kids for a kid's film yeah. because it's made for them at the end of the day. It might have nuances and funny jokes and situations that, you know, is a wink-wink to the adults that will be inevitably watching it 700 times. So it's marketed to. Yeah. Um, but so I, I, I make no um, grievances about children being present in a children's film. But, yeah, they had an adults-only screening, you know, for a reason. And that's because of people like me <laughs> who really liked Frozen and wanted to see the sequel just and enjoy it as the cinematic experience that I, I always hoped and wished it would be. Um, but the the problem there was is that 
there was at least 20 kids in that cinema. Yeah, 20. That's, um, uh, they've kind of fucked up there. And, they and I don't there. mean like 15-year-olds or whatever. Like they n- tend not to be squealing and screeching about Frozen and stuff like that. Like that's sort of more of a Twilight, Hunger Games sort of age group where they might be making lots of noise. But um, yeah, like I had a uh, – like the kids were squealing. There was uh, one kid that decided to be part of Frozen 2 by standing – on like the little box thing in front of the uh, screen and just sort of started waving their arms around. And it was during like a, you know, <laughs> kind of a sad moment that, you know, spoilers I won't go into here. Oh my God. But it was like <laughs> they didn't even pick their moment right to join in. What a child. Yeah. So um, it was just stuff like that that, yeah, you just think, oh, I really did try and avoid this to give everybody the best experience possible so they don't have a grumpy adult going. But this was my only two hours off in you know, in between working in the old coal mine. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I didn't realise they charged you more. Yeah, it was like $3 more or something. It was like, obviously, it's not a $400 diamond Hans Zimmer ticket, but it's like... But they've charged yeah. a premium. Yeah. Because they're trying to say, hey, yeah, you, and, and you were willing to pay the premium because you were working on the assumption they wouldn't allow children to be there they should have just refunded them at the door so this is an 18 plus screening you can come in but your kids can't yeah the end and um and and as everybody was leaving um a girl and her sister were like jumping and sort of slamming down like by missing each like every second step on there because they were right up the back and they were moving through and um just as she got to where I was sitting, she jumped on the step, promptly lost control of an enormous bucket of uh, caramel popcorn that that (laughs) was about 20 pieces missing out of. And caramel popcorn proceeded to then just rain down on me and my friends (laughs) as we were just trying to gather our things to go in the cinema. It was all through my bag. It was in my hair. Popcorn. Yeah. Well, yum. <laughs> Candy bar's pretty expensive until something life magical hack. like this happened. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking And um, yeah. So it, that, this is precisely what I wanted to avoid, and I didn't get to, but I did get popcorn hair, which it was is a edible. bonus. Yeah, absolutely. How so, was that email of complaint? I don't. I didn't bother sending it in the end. I don't think. I got over it. Everyone's going to listen to that whole segment and be like, what a bunch of whinges. Oh, my God. If I was there, a yeah. story like, like Marky Mark, if he was there for 9-11, uh, it would have <laughs> gone down differently. And that's, that's, <laughs> oh, that's me just quoting Marky Mark, all right? I and know, I'm not saying I know. if I was there, it would go down differently. It wouldn't have because I don't believe that I'm a demigod, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, wow. But in that situation, getting indignant, about having to pay extra, and if it was thirty cents extra or three dollars extra, or actually zero dollars extra, but they just told me this is an eighteen plus only thing. Oh, I would have fired up. Mm, there would have been some fire. It's a good thing I wasn't there. I guess maybe. Well, you, you know, let's be honest. I mean, you'd only you know. <laughs> actually, here's the other thing: is we actually bought a fourth seat. Oh yeah. And it was your seat if you were free, when I think you were doing something else. I think there was some thing on yeah which is fine thing. but yeah but there was actually a seat purchased for you um 
and then we decided <laughs> we actually we just let it go and we just purchased it anyway so that it would hold our belongings and ensure that nobody sat next to us to ruin our experience. <laughs> Did someone try to sit there? No. Because no, no. this is fast becoming like a sitcom episode. Oh, no, it'd just be, yeah, it'd just be frustrating. But like. Did you get a full body pillow of me just to take along <laughs> in situations like that? And just put the ticket on Pillow Nate's lap. And, and then, you know, they can come along and they can do whatever, but it's like, hey, I bought a ticket. Yeah, I know. Well, it, it, we had a ticket for it, so there was nothing they could have done, and it would have been booked out. They could anyway. have tried it on. They could have tried it on, um, but yeah, like it, it's just hilarious that all these measures were taken to ensure the most glorious, you know, seamless experience, and we we only got it for about an hour of the two hours or so. So yeah. oh well. I tell you what, allocated seating is the best. It is. It's great. I once kicked a father and his son out of my seat, um, told them to go to the front of the cinema where their seats were, or any other available seat that wasn't mine. They weren't having a bar of it originally, but mm. just why? Like, I love allocated seating because I used to get there 30, 45 minutes earlier to buy my fucking ticket to pick my seat, line up like a nerd, and now I don't have to do that anymore. I can roll in late. I can skip the... 20 minutes of awkward localized trailers, not trailers, <laughs> where are they? Ads, sorry. And then the trailers, which I've seen anyway, 99% of the time. And I'm like, actually, I've got an extra 15, 20 minutes to get there. So I don't need to rush. Yeah. And I know that I'm walking into my seat. And if I don't, I'm walking into someone telling them to move. I did it with an old lady as well. Um, so we're renaming our podcast. It's going to be called <laughs> The Arsehole. No, I thought you were going to say we're renaming it to I Did It With An Old Lady. Uh, it would be a very different kind of podcast. But you know what? The two girls, one cup thing intro part would definitely work. <laughs> the other movie that's coming out this week, and this is the last one, yeah. is Midway. Are you excited for Midway? Is it about the video game company Midway, a.k.a. makers of Mortal Kombat, a.k.a. Dun, 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 no, dun, dun, but tell oh. me more about that movie. That sounds <laughs> rad. <laughs> No, I don't, I don't know what it I is. I should preface this with this is movies of note. I'm sure there's a lot more movies coming out and movies of note means movies I'm excited about. I'll get Katie involved in it at some stage. <laughs> As you can tell, she probably has zero interest in Midway. Uh, it's, I, it's not that I just I need explanation. I'm going to tell you what it is. Thank you. And yep, I'm great. expecting you to have zero interest in it. Okay, cool. Did you love Pearl Harbor? No. Well. It was okay. Then you're going to love Midway is Roland Emmerich's new movie, but it's disaster movie meets military disaster. So mm. it's like that sort of Battle of Midway, World War II, Pearly Harbor-y thing. I'm, I'm on board because I'm a sucker for World War II um, aerial stuff, have been since a kid, Battle of Britain. Most recently, Dunkirk was very impressive in that regard. It, it goes a long way to show that these directors that still want to shoot everything in camera with real life spitfires and hurricanes in this instance and real planes like that will hold up forever if you're not cging it if you're actually shooting it yeah. it'll look great that's why battle of britain's still amazing to this day uh pearl harbor i have a soft spot for because hans zimmer did an amazing soundtrack and i'm a sucker for his soundtracks uh yeah. and it was written i believe by the guy who wrote Braveheart, Randall Wallace off the top of my head. Mm. So it had some okay moments. It was just kind of beified. 
and that's I think that's what turns me off. Like that, there was some really good elements in it, but it just didn't. It was just a bit. Eh. The biggest thing was it was just really stupid that you're telling the story of Pearl Harbor, which is a big failure, like a moment of you know them not paying attention to uh, things on a giant things on a radar or not paying attention to military intelligence that they had, not paying attention to potential consequences of what would happen when you put sanctions on Japan who's <clears throat> reliant on you for oil and other things, like in a, in a war state when they've aligned themselves with Hitler, blah, blah, blah. Like it's a failure, but an awesome learning moment failure that they were kind of like took that and rallied and said never again. And so it should have ended with the kind of bittersweet ending, but <laughs> then they chalked on another 45 minutes to an hour and had to show some sort of retaliation. Revenge. Yeah. We're going to win, which I think <clears throat> more than anything completely undermines what that whole story is about, even from an American perspective. So oh, yeah. This is an Australian. But um, it's got a lot of CG aerial combat, which eh, isn't so great, but the budget was good enough for it to be decent so they had some live action stuff. So the action sequences in that, as in the actual attack on Pearl Harbor, is pretty fantastic, especially if you get past the hurrah, super Americanized stuff. But I'm sure, like, if any especially Michael Bay movies, there's a very big reason to be doing that in Pearl Harbor. Mm -hmm. It just feels a little less authentic when he's doing it in Transformers uh, or any other movie that's not a super American story. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be probably, again, around a 5 or 6 out of 10, but I'm in it for the aerial combat and the bombings and all that sort of stuff. I think it's going to be a good uh, kind of more popcorn-y World War II flick as opposed to the better serious amazing to this day World War II flicks, of which there are dozens. Yes. Yes. No, that's, it sounds really good. So, like, I mean, when you're looking at the seriousness of things like um, Dunkirk and um, what was that one in the tank with... Fury. Fury. That was really good. That was really good yeah, too. Yeah, I liked Fury a lot. Um, and, you know, the, they've sort of... There hasn't been... Um, Many World War Two movies that have come out recently that I haven't liked, but they're all a bit heavy going. Like, yeah, they're not. I wouldn't call them popcorn flicks. Sort of. I think the last one was um, Red Tails. Did you ever see that? No. It was a little bit heavy, but it, it had really good intentions. It was George Lucas. I think he produced it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's the. Oh, I'm gonna mess up the pronunciation of this. I'm so sorry in advance. The Tuscanegi Airmen. I stuffed that up, but. It was um, African-American pilots right. in uh, World War Two who had their own, like, I don't know, I'm messing up words again, their own squadron or something, right? So mm -hmm. they were going out, they were fighting, but what George Lucas hated about their story was despite heroics and the same sorts of threats that the other pilots were facing, they came home to basically just getting treated like second-class citizens. Yeah. All over again, and he said they never got their their heroic, you know, marching, we love you, hurrah. And he's like, so he wanted to make a movie. And I think appreciating Red Tails requires you to know this background story, mm. uh, not just the lack of appreciation, but he said, I wanted to make a movie that was of that 1940s era kind of super positive, you can go get them, mm. like that kind of almost campness. Yeah. to it but also it was celebratory and it was heavily CG and stuff and he put all of his you know I think he still owned ILM at that stage uh, before he sold it to Disney along with everything else 
And it, it, if you watch it to appreciate it in that sense, it's a really kind of upbeat, positive thing. And I was like, good on you. Not just good on you, George Lucas, but I'm like, I enjoyed this story. And I count it yeah. as one of those absolutely worth recommending of um, the World War II stories of the 21st century, of which there aren't really that many, but not that there has to be because there are so many amazing ones in the 20th century. Yeah. So many amazing ones. I was rattling them off with um, a peer late last year. We were just going back and forth on this and that. And he's like, oh, yeah, have you seen that? You've got to see this. And it was just this massive list. And I've gone back and watched a few of them. And the, not only do they hold up, but something like Bridge Over the River Quay, mm. Quay, sorry, have you seen that? Yeah. As a kid, I was like, this is a cool movie. And it was a war movie that was occasionally on rotation. And mm. as an adult, you're watching it. I'm like, oh, shit, Alec Guinness is like, brainwashed and mm. he's so hell-bent on doing his duty that he now thinks is to help not just build this bridge that will be used to kill more allied soldiers but like it's his duty to protect it because that's all he has and i'm like it's got layers mm. that mm. obviously as a 10 year old yeah, <laughs> you you're not probably really don't get see them. you just remember yeah. the bridge exploding at the end or or whatever it might be um yeah and lots more like that that i fully want to revisit so uh, if any of them turn out to be middling or inspire episodes, expect to hear more about that. Yeah, and like I, when I say like, oh, you know, they're all a bit heavy. Like I don't expect laugh a minute World War Two movies. I realise that it's not really a laughing matter, but um, there are certainly themes that are explored. Um, like there's a there's a tonal difference between Schindler's List and Fury, <laughs> for, sure. for example. Glorious like, Bastards as well. Yeah, has yeah. Some of those realities, yeah. like those darker realities of war, but also goes a little bit more into yeah. fantasy territory and yeah. also has little moments of fun. Mm. I think Kelly's Heroes is the one that stands out for me. I don't know if you ever saw that as a kid. Maybe it sounds familiar. It's not, it's not one of the ones that I think is rattled off in the top sort of five or even maybe ten mm. of iconic World War II movies from like anywhere from the 50s through to the 90s being yep. like Thin Red Line and Saving Private Ryan dominating those recommendations in the 90s. But Kelly's Heroes is a heist movie mm. set in World War II, a like group of soldiers that hear about some Nazi gold in the last days of World War II that they want to go and pinch before the actual main force arrives so they shoot off by themselves to steal gold yeah, right. and fuck off and retire with riches. I'm like, that's such a cool fucking premise. Mm. And I remember the movie being a lot of fun uh, and a movie that I would absolutely love to revisit. It's got a great cast as well. Who the, who's Sutherland? Who's the daddy Sutherland? Donald? Donald Sutherland. Yeah, he's in it. He's playing this cool little tanker guy. I'm pretty sure Clint Eastwood's in it as well, like a younger Clint Eastwood. Uh, and I remember it being a lot of fun. And it's an inspiration for one of my favourite... Game series, uh, Battlefield, Bad Company. Well, obviously, I'm a big Battlefield fan, but Bad Company was a spin-off, and the first game was inspired by Kelly's Heroes. And you can tell, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, nice. In the time when people were making gritty war games, kind of like you were talking about the dark and heavy war movies, they yeah. were like, well, let's make something a little bit more fun. Yeah, we're dealing with war, but like, let's kind of just set the tone and we want to entertain and we want to make you laugh. Yeah. So then we want to kind of move you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And... Um you know, camaraderie and stuff being built between soldiers and, and, and allied troops and stuff like that. I mean, obviously they're forged together because of all the terrible things, but they shared some good times and celebrations and joy together as well. So that, that, that's a part of war that we don't 
really get a lens on unless clever filmmakers sort of show us those parts like um, A League of Their Own, for example, has, you know, a few really great moments like that and, and stuff like that as well. So, But that's a movie that I wanted to show you that you haven't seen, right? Yeah, we've got to put it on the list for 2020 to watch. Yeah, nice. And at the very least, I mean, I'm not expecting to have to dedicate an episode yeah. to it, but uh, we can report back. Yeah, for sure. But we should really start talking about The Grey. And with that in mind, watch out, people, because... Warning. Warning. This podcast contains spoilers. Press pause and go watch the film before proceeding, if you care. All right. Now, now that your ear sockets are blown out with the spoiler warning, oh, let's... That's what that button does. Yeah. I'm like, what's this fun one? <laughs> uh, this is... Here's my movie on... The Grey, starring Liam Neeson, part two of our two-part series on Liam Neeson doing sad things in the snow. We're never doing a Liam Neeson movie ever again. No, that's a lie. We'll definitely do a Liam Neeson movie again. He's in everything. <laughs> he is. He's the new Kevin Bacon. He's, yeah. is, or the old Kevin Bacon. Was that a Bacon thing? The old adventures of new Kevin Bacon. He was Keanu Reeves before Keanu Reeves resurgence as an older but still looks youthful action star yeah true true now you hadn't seen this had you katie not prior to our watching though before i made you watch it and i did because i'm like i really like this movie it cops a lot of stick uh but i think you should watch it okay what were your thoughts like why had you missed the gray was it in freddie got fingered territory for you (laughs) i'm pretty sure it didn't win a razzie Correct me if I'm wrong. It I don't think... It I, might have. I mean, it shouldn't have, but it might have. No, I don't think so. Uh, I just... I don't know. It, it kind of wasn't in my orbit. Like, I prioritised other movies around that time. I think 2012 was when it came out. Um, I don't know that that was a year that I uh, was going to the movies all that much. And I think when I did, it was probably for, like, you know, whatever Marvel shit I had to keep up with or whatever. So... Um, yeah, I was sort of maybe re-watching older things during that. Like I remember that being sort of a black period for cinema for me where I wasn't actually seeing all that much that wasn't, you know, those things that you go out of your way for. So. But did you have any like preconceptions, any ideas about what you thought it was going to be or you, it was just so off your radar that you were, I'm like, hey, you should watch this movie. It's got no, no, I, I knew what it was. Um, I knew that it was like sort of a survival thriller and I knew that it was a, what, what would you call it, like a beast movie, a monster movie yeah. sort of thing. Um, That's the survival element as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and th- those are films that I enjoy quite a lot. So, survival movies. Yeah. yeah. And... But what I wasn't clear on is it's obvious when you think about it, but I'm like the grey, like, and it's like obviously like a grey wolf. But I just didn't even know that. I've just figured that out then. Uh, yeah, well, Thank I you. thought it was um, like I'm like a grey bear. Are there grey bears? I'm like, yeah, there are definitely grey bears, but they're probably like a grizzly bear. I thought they were sort of more or going a, for that like morality thing. Yeah. Maybe that was the, the double meaning. Like mm. if you've seen The Descent... Yes. Yes. I mean, that the double meaning of that movie. Like, when you go and see The Descent, you watch it and you're like, oh, I get it, they're going into a cave, right? Yeah. And then when you really watch it and you understand what that means, you're like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great movie. Yeah. 
So I I did know vaguely like premise stuff about it, but have you seen the trailers? No. This is very important because earlier. But we watched them. We did watch them afterwards, though. Yes. Yeah, because this is a cool thing. Like we've got friends who don't watch trailers, and I have. You know, I'm very envious of their approach to movies because it's quite pure when they go see a movie. Uh, but for me, I can't do it. I'm a sucker for a trailer, even though they ruin things. But for this, this these trailers, one trailer in particular, got uh, earned this movie the nickname of Punches with Wolves. <laughs> and it did that because it literally takes the last fucking shot of the movie, which I believe from memory it speeds up as well mm-hmm. and puts it with some sort of action-y, sound-y thingies mm-hmm. and it has Liam Neeson with bottles, like little mini bottles from a plane smashed and taped to his hands so he's got these makeshift brass knuckles running at a wolf and it tonally misleads And I think, because before we did the, uh, before we started recording this episode, Katie was having a little bit of a look on, what was it, Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. And the critic score was something like 60? No, no, the critic score was 79%. Right. Fresh. Just a freshness rating. Certified fresh. Yeah. Um, It gets a little badge and all. Um, The audience score was like 60%. Yeah. And I find this quite a lot on Rotten Tomatoes. And I found that really interesting because I figured that the that would be fairly similar and that the critic scores wouldn't be so high. But I feel like the negative reactions to that movie, and not all of them obviously, but I feel like the marketing is very fucking responsible for that because mm-hmm. you've taken Liam Neeson when he's done movies like Taken, uh, who is now an action star, and he shot something that's not an action movie. Yeah. So you're trying to sell your movie and you go, well, we sell Liam Neeson, the action star. So they take the bits of action that he does, him holding a gun at the beginning type thing, shooting at something, and mm. then him running, him getting fiery, and a stunt here, and maybe a fight between two characters type thing, and then you cut that into, what, two minutes yep. with some text and some music that makes you think that it's a fucking action movie. Yeah, yeah. And then you go and see something that's not an action movie, and it's very rare that that works. Yeah. No, totally. Um and I guess that that was sort of the problem that I had with it <laughs> um, all through watching it, to be fair. And um, for me, it was pretty frustrating to have survival action, survival thriller, um, sort of genre that, that is sold to you at the beginning. Um, and, and, and inevitably... Similar to things like Alien, uh, Aliens, you know, countless others that came before it. Razorback is another. That's an awesome Australian film that people should watch if they haven't already. It's actually not awesome. Like it's pretty B grade, but never seen it. It's it's fucking awesome in my opinion. Um, it, but don't like go in expecting atonement. Like it's <laughs> it's just you know one of those cool B grade Aussie films that are nice to watch occasionally, but. Yeah, for me, it's like all this stuff's promised at the beginning and it really, just as they do, it loses its way after about Act 1. I find that inevitably you're expecting things like, you know, people are picked off one by one. There are 
things that people do, choices that people make that leads them to danger that they wouldn't have had, you know, which gives you those moments of, oh, you idiot, why did you do that? Like, you were told not to go down there and then you did and now you're dead. Like, there's all that sort of stuff, which is part of the enjoyment of a, of a survival story for me. But it, like, I, I cannot at this moment recall anything about anybody else except Liam Neeson. It was just the black guy, the glasses guy, the two other white guys. Like, there was so little character development in that film that I I was just like, oh, God, can they just get rid of them all in just one fell swoop so I don't have to fucking listen to them talk about nothing anymore? Is there like, a lot of character development in survival movies? Well, think about Alien. Do you remember something about every character? Right. <laughs> Doesn't have to be much. No. It does not no, have to no, be no. much. They're not they're not all great. A lot like some of them feel like they're there to just be fodder. Yeah. The great thing that I didn't realise because I didn't see it of its time was that the captain of the ship is apparently a name named actor, as in yeah. somebody who is you expected to be the hero. Yeah. Um and then He's obviously not. Mm. Ripley has an amazing character arc in that movie. Hundred percent. And is you cannot you cannot remake Alien. Nope. Like, there is no one else who can play that role, right? They'll they'll eventually do it, and then I'll sit here and whinge about how disappointing it is. But yeah, it won't be Alien. I don't know if they'll touch that. They of all the not. movies, they can keep making little shitty sequels and spin-offs and things like that. I think they should never bring Ripley's character back again. They don't need to. No. Um, because the thing that makes an alien movie like, well, these days is the alien. And as James yeah. Cameron showed with aliens, right? I mean, he obviously had Ripley still, but they upped it and it worked. I mean, obviously, yeah. God, what am I saying? Ripley is the thing that makes those things work um, more than Ridley. <laughs> Get wrecked. I'm so glad that he's hopefully not making any more of those things. Yeah, yeah. Disney owns that now. Um, but See, that, that'll be interesting, uh, you know, if but I find that, like, to do anything with it. Character development is not as essential in certain genres of movie. And, I mean, we talked about Dunkirk earlier. One of the things that um, critics leveled as one of the problems of Dunkirk was that nobody really has an arc and nobody does. Nobody, no. I mean, there's little small character beats and reveals that happen, but it's not about, you know, the the coward becomes the hero type story type thing. They don't deal with any of those tropes. They just deal with people dealing with a situation that feels impossible. And yep. so that's why I guess I cut the gray slack in that regard because I'm not, I don't see it as a drama, even though it has dramatic moments. I see it as a survival movie, not even really an action survival movie. No, but that's what was promised. Yeah, but we're talking about the trailers that I showed you afterwards. Yes. So you didn't know that. So, but after seeing the trailers, you're now saying that that's what was, you would have preferred. I'm, I'm saying I was shortchanged is what I'm saying. But only For the film I didn't pay for at the time that I watched later on Blu-ray, yes. But you didn't know that that was the movie. Like no. you, you had a pure experience is what I'm saying. So oh, okay. Then I just, the I just thought it was crap then. Right, so you didn't like it. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is very different to what she said after we watched it. No. Look, it's fine. You it's don't like, have to like it's a, it. It's a six and a half. I think it's a little bit more than that. What Not is it? A whole it, lot then? more than that. It's like a seven and a half. It's a seven and a half. Seven and three quarters. Nine seven, and three quarters. Seven and four fifths. 
quarter portion. <laughs> no, look. I, I think thought, it's better than the stick it deserves. Uh, oh, yeah. The stick look, it received. It did uh, not deserve all of the shit that it got because the fucking marketing team yeah, misled us. people. Yeah. And you could tell very quickly that it wasn't that movie, even though I might have gone to see that movie. Mm-hmm. When it was clear that it wasn't that movie, I'm like, okay, cool. It's not that movie that the trailer people have fucked us on. What a surprise, by the way. Like, yeah. it's, not, it's not a recent phenomenon. I'm like, but okay, I'll watch it on its own merit. Yeah. That poem can go fucking die in a fire. Yeah. Like, that is one of the shittest poems uh, ever, (laughs) which would be fine in a comedy, you know, for a character who believes that they're super profound and his dad wrote this one poem that I think got published and so he had it on his wall and he used it as his mantra and it doesn't fucking mean anything. No, and it's like he should go work on the Jay Peterman catalogue with (laughs) with Elaine. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> That's that, that poem goes with the urban sombrero. But it just doesn't – it's a bad poem and they say it once, I can let it go. They say it twice, okay, sure. But they just <laughs> keep going back to it and it was infinitely more interesting about how he had lost – like they brought in the, the father-son relationship but that wasn't the heart of his struggle. No. He'd given up on life. Like mm. He wants to kill himself at the beginning – Yes, yeah, similar to uh, <laughs> Cold Pursuit. Cold Pursuit. Apparently, the uh, whenever Liam Neeson's anywhere near snow, he has to put a gun in his mouth. He's contractually obliged. I'm, <laughs> Fuck. I'm pretty sure. It's just like wide man. Because he doesn't want to be in snow movies, <laughs> and they just add another zero, and he's like, "All right, fuck it." But the reason that he may not want to be near the cold is, as I said before, I've got full blown AIDS. <laughs> I was waiting for the, the sequel uh, to that. but So they, they've set him up as not having a will to live, not because of a weird relationship with his dad or because his dad writes shit poetry, which would be more believable, uh, because his, his wife has died and you don't know that at the beginning, but you start to piece it together. It doesn't take you very long to reveal. It's not a massive reveal where you're like, oh, my God, she was dead because she's not really like haunting him or anything. He's dreaming about her. He's yeah. seeing her. And, and I liked that. His will to live becomes pure immediacy, human focused. I I have a purpose, and his purpose is to just not die like that, and to try to help. Yeah. To get these people to safety, and by the way, he fucking fails at that. Yeah. Which I think is hard. Pretty awesome. Mm. For it to go that way, like for it to not have some sort of happy ending where the three that you expect to survive survive um there are some chump deaths in there yeah and there are some like off like the the mixture of off screen to on screen death i have a problem with like just do one or the other unless you want to do one big kill at the end that you see and not a lot of others but don't be gory one moment and not the next and then you're suddenly doing off screen deaths and you're not like you don't have to show everything i think the way that they deal with the wolves originally is really good even though they're cg wolves like seeing their eyes, hearing them, the howls, they're sussing them out. That first kill with the guy who goes out to have a piss. Mm. Holy fucking shit, I jumped when I first saw that. It's terrifying. Don't get me wrong, there are some awesome moments in the film, but I think it tried to do too much at once and I think it was tonally very confused and those things are almost like a they're a nail in a coffin for me because... I, I can't stand that. 
I just think you need to be like there is such a mastery that most people can't achieve and when they're switching up tone in the same film. What were the competing tones for you? Well, you've got the survival action slash thriller tone. Yeah. And it's like, all right, look at it from, you know, put Arnold Schwarzenegger in the same role as uh, Liam Neeson or even like Tom Cruise or, or someone like that. And, you know, you'll, you'll have something that's on pace action usually, you know, because obviously films at that level are like written for those stars and they, they carry that tone very well and it's like, you know, they're getting through it, you know, the Jack Reacher, the, yeah. you know, all that sort of stuff. And you kind of like, despite it being, you know, scary, lost in the snow, I'm cold and there are wolves after me, Grandpa Simpson, you know, um, <laughs> which is that that's actually should be the working title of the film. I'm cold and there are wolves after me. Maybe it was. <laughs> um, so, you know, that is, that is one way that it could be done. And for me it would have been more enjoyable and a little more shocking instead of having these big lulls in between that was filled by just nameless people that I don't care about talking about their relationship with God and how could God do this to them and, you know, and what is, you know, what is on the other side? Right, the philosophy 101, it's, waxing uh, lyrical. And uh, I don't Dudes on a retreat sitting uh, around a fire. Everybody in that situation is going to be contemplating those things. They, I wouldn't have the answers and nor do they. Like, uh, save it for someone who fucking cares. Like, it, it's, it, the whole film wasn't structured to be this huge comment on what comes in the afterlife, yet any conversation that wasn't, oh, what was that noise? Oh, fuck, that guy's getting eaten, was why would God punish us like this? Oh, well, maybe it's not so bad after all. Oh, seven stages of grief. Oh, I've accepted death. Oh, I escaped death. Maybe I'll get out of it. Oh, no, I'm going to die. I've accepted death and now I'm dead. Like, it did not fit with the... Cra like, because, again, people in these high-stress situations, you know, maybe in this scenario they've got a little more time to think about it, but if you're lost somewhere and you're aware of some dangers in a forest, if a wolf is going to kill you and eat you, you don't have time to sit there and think about why God did it to you and will you meet him soon? <laughs> because your throat's already torn out. So uh, just, there was just too much time spent on that stuff. And the fact that just almost every character had this like little philosophical speech to say about their feelings on it, um, there was very little differentiation between how everyone felt. They were just kind of, the, they just kind of, sludged together like Gak to talk about the same sort of random philosophical element that wasn't particularly interesting or enlightening for the audience. So that really that really stuck in my craw and I didn't particularly enjoy it. Also, the whole thing falls apart about half an hour into it. Oh. Why did they leave the plane? Wh tell me why that happened. They were not getting a signal on the GPS. That doesn't matter. 
they were getting eaten at that stage, weren't they? They were inadequately dressed to survive. They didn't have food to survive. But that's where all the supplies are. No, no, they raided all the supplies of what little was left. Right. And they determined that it was better for them to try to get to some sort of help rather than wait because of where they had crashed in a storm was in the wilderness. Right. So there was a massive area to check. I mean, that was one of the tension points initially that they discussed of whether they should stay. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I remember. I do remember that. I do remember that. But for me, it's like, okay, clearly with, you know, every second Malaysian Airlines flight going down somewhere there for a while, um, plans land, uh, planes land or, or crash or whatever, and it, depending on the spot, the signal's lost and they, even if they've got vague coordinates from where they were last picked up, they still can't find them. So well, the needle in a haystack situation. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it makes sense that, okay, that's a legitimate concern that the people searching for them wouldn't know where to look and by the time they came across them they'd be long dead or, you know, something like that. But, okay, so I was under the impression that there were more supplies there. And, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's made of fucking metal. So you'd have to think that a wolf won't be able to eat through it to get to them. No, but it was, like, exposed. Yeah. There, yeah. Was, there wasn't, like, a door and a safe situation. Right. It was, And at that stage, they weren't really worried about the wolves initially. Until the guy got eaten One got fairly eaten. Early. I think that yeah. was what sort of became a motivating factor to get the fuck out of there because they introduced that idea of, a wolf's uh, area and they're very mm. territorial and they might not be just killing them because they're mindless beasts but they might be killing them because they're in their turf. Yep. And they introduce the idea of whether they're walking deeper into it or farther away from it. Yep. Which it ends, obviously, when it gets to their fucking den. It's a very – part of what I like about it, I like it when a, a filmmaker um, is allowed to – tell a story with a harrowing ending. It's part of why I get pissed about the trailer mm. because it does sort of explore the philosophical things you were talking about. Are we alone? And what do you believe? Do you believe in God? Do you not believe in God? And it ends, in my mind, very definitively with the answer for the filmmaker being no. <laughs> yeah. Because Liam Neeson calls out for help to God while he's trying to save the last person and yeah. then can't save him and then he's like, right, fuck you, fuck this. I'm going to do it myself. And it ends up, in the most more of a hopeless scenario and maybe survives as a stupid little fucking stinger at the end. Mm. Uh, I know people don't like the sort of spinning top endings over did he win, did he lose. I think it's pretty fucking safe to assume that Neeson dies in that scenario because yeah. it's not just one wolf that he has to fight. It was sort of more of a fuck it, I'm going out my own way type thing. Look, unless he has two giant like big W Hulk fists that are somehow real. He's not going to punch out a whole ten full of wolves. No, but the other <laughs> thing is, and I'm I'm no wolf expert. I'm only an expert in bird law, not wolf <laughs> law. So uh, <laughs> I don't know whether killing an alpha means that the rest kind of just fuck off. Or Maybe, whatever. but because they do kind of introduce some wolf politics, you know, where they they send the the beta. Yeah. Or someone has a shot at the throne and mm. then there's a fight and he doesn't win, so they are going to kick him out. So they, he has to go and attack the group outside of the parameters of because wolves don't like fire. Yeah. So it violates that rule to whatever and then they end up killing it. But um, they do introduce some of those ideas. 
Uh, and they don't really fully explore them, but I guess it's not that important unless Liam Neeson or one of the other characters happen to be a massive, like a super duper wolf expert, like a bear <laughs> grills on a, in a plane crash. Yeah. And you're like, I would actually feel completely fine. Yeah. Like, oh my God, we've had a plane crash and what are we going to do? Oh, Bear Grylls is here. All right. Yeah. Cool. We're going to get through this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but here's the thing though is in certain situations, like, I mean, it, it is absolutely valid to think about how like, you know, pack order and stuff like that works. And I highly doubt that it's like us, the viewers, like, oh, those dickheads did not think about wolf pack and all those things and those rules like i i'm i'm very sure that they they did consider it but the thing is is like winter hunting for any animal is like hibernation is a thing because it's very difficult to survive in those conditions and even if you do manage to knock out the alpha everything else is still really hungry yeah like <laughs> again i don't i don't know so, i don't know how it works yeah um what is like a, this is a perfect point to move on? What is your movie? Because it sounds like you were hinting at some of what your movie would be with some tonal inconsistencies there. Look, what I was up for was it, it, it had to be one or the other for me. Like, and it's really hard to pull off the dramatic philosophical angle. Um, because there's a, for me, there's a difference between action and drama, they exist separately. Um, and I know that they're like, you know, there are ways that they can cross over and stuff like that, but Fury Road. yeah, 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 exactly. But I would still argue that see, and that, and that is perfectly mixed in a way that not many people can achieve. Yeah. And that's why, an and that's why, and that is why it's such a great movie. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, but it's an amazing movie. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, held up by ama amazing performances Stunning visuals. Top to bottom, everyone is the right hire. Yeah, like just everyone. amazing, yeah. Soundtrack. Mm. Cinematography. Yeah, yeah. everything. 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 They and just... especially the cinematography and costume design. Like, yeah. even, Actor. yeah, yeah, like all, just those unsung heroes. not replace anybody. No. <laughs> Except that one pregnant wife chick. Oh, the model that's like, model. I don't know what is happening. Had five lines oh and it was God. just like, yeah. oh, why? Yeah, she could have been replaced. Yeah. There we go. There's my movie <laughs> for Fury Road. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> Recast. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's just really, it's really hard to pull off because like, okay, look, D Die Hard's not a survival thriller or anything like that. I, I realise that. But it is a really great action film that hits the beats of an action film Really, really, really well. It's pretty structurally perfect as well. It's structurally perfect. And there are dramatic moments in that film, um, like especially, you know, between the cop and, um, you know, and, and things like that where, you know, you're seeing these relationships formed and you're seeing, you know, scared hostages and stuff like that. I mean, they are dramatic moments and, you know, empathizing with the character you think oh my god imagine just going to a christmas party and then like horrible german terrorists come and like you don't know whether you're going to live or die i mean that's obviously not something to laugh about and it is a dramatic moment that makes you feel for those characters but the whole thing you wouldn't call it a drama no like it's, it's not a and you know everyone should go watch um the movies that made us 
Yeah. The Die Hard episode. Yeah. So enlightening. That movie has no right to be good, let alone amazing. They were fucking writing it on the fly. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Willis was doing whatever show he was doing during the day and shooting Die Hard at night. Yeah. Oh, Moonlighting. Was it? Was that the show that yeah, he was, he was on at the moonlighting? Time? Yeah, it was moon- moonlighting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this is an exhausted actor turning up to be the lead in an action movie who I think they originally wanted for Arnold Schwarzenegger, who passed on it. Mm-hmm. McTiernan had said no to it multiple times because they wanted to tell this serious terrorist story. And he's like, only if I can make take the piss out of the terrorists and it could be a heist movie. Like, this movie should not have been a success. No. And yet, it's amazing. We watch it every Christmas. Yeah. And, you know, especially the, the moments with um, where, where the cop and and Bruce Willis only know each other through... Powell. Powell, yeah. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the party, party, Powell. Powell. <laughs> that, that one's for you, Job. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to send such a hateful all-caps uh, email. Oh, well. Yeah, and, like, you, those moments are dramatic, a little sad. You don't know what's going to happen. There is every chance that everybody dies because, you know, the, the one thing that I could never work out as a kid, you know, with video games, like playing the first Doom. By the way, my first experience with Doom was on a Super Nintendo, so it's really not the best way. 264? No, 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 Super Nintendo, the first Doom. Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah. Um, so not the greatest way to play a shooter, and that's probably why I'm no good at <laughs> these why days. why you playing them on controllers. <sighs> yeah. We'll get there one day. One day. Um... So uh, what what surprised me is like, okay, so you've got a planet full of demons and monsters and you've sent me alone with a pistol. You know, and that's ex- that's essentially what they did in Die Hard. It's like the, the future of all of these people and all their families, you know, people have already died and there's one cop with one gun at the beginning who yeah, has to kill people and pick up they more. They send him in. That was no, no, a writer he, that sent him in. No, no, I know, <laughs> I know, but it's just like... That's that's sort of the premise, and you know that's a little dramatic, but it's it's an action film. You can you can mix tonally little moments that help you care about the story and care what happens to people, but it doesn't shift the genre. Like I would argue that there are moments in the grey that shift the genre, and then go back to the other one. Right. So it's not they didn't stick the landing. They tried to gel some things. Yeah. So which one would you pick then? Do you want the waxing lyrical philosophy survival story or do you want the pure survival, let's not focus on character development or do you want actual defined character arcs? I think I've shaped myself in in this podcast as someone that like just wants people to blow shit up or fart. Like as right. as what I in, as <laughs> if you can stick the landing on that. Katie's <laughs> no, like, no. ten out of ten. No, no, but uh, like, make no mistake. I I appreciate any beautiful movie, and there are, you know, Academy Awards are one for a reason, and there are so many beautiful, beautiful movies in, in, out there that I can appreciate for exactly what they are, um, and you know, I'm up for the philosophical, why are we here? Why Thin is, red line. Why is God... Sorry? Thin red line. Thin red line, exactly. Trying to find God in war. Yeah, why are we here? Why isn't God with me? God's abandoned me. 
Why would he do this well, to me? What is me? the meaning of life if you want you to know? You know, where am I going? What's this all for? I'm 100% up for films that explore that. I'm not a total dickhead. Like, I, I am totally up for that. But not in this setting. It doesn't fit in a survival story. Oh, it should be a fucking action film. So you've ditched dudes sitting around a fire talking about God. They can. It what, just no, what are you replacing it with, though? You wanted, You said you wanted to ditch it. There's not a problem with that. But like, oh, what are you? How about plans? Yeah. So they're just like they're laser focused <laughs> yes. on the threat at all times. What What is more important in that movie? Thinking about you know the meaning of life and God and like what would happen if uh, I was you know my Catholic upbringing leads. Well, me they to all believe. think they're going to die. Yeah. Right. So, okay, fucking sad sacks. <laughs> fucking. Got a little positivity in you. No, no, no. But <laughs> fucking don't, don't despair. They, to me, that signaled that they gave up. Who? The Everybody. Filmmakers? Not the filmmakers. The filmmakers tried to make something more special than it was. So what I, it's, it like it would have been a great survival horror. We're all expecting, like it was just slow. Oh, and, so and wait, you said horror. So you thought that it could have been a survival horror. Because yeah. I didn't find it very horrific. No, it wasn't. Survival the, the, movie were, where the threat happened to be not just the elements but wolves. Yeah, look, the, there, were, there, were, there were elements that were gory, like it's, and it's not nice to see someone killed by a wolf. Like, and it, this, you know, it, that would be the reality in person as well, you know, because someone is being eaten. It's not a nice thing. Like, but it's, um, f- for me, it's like, okay, so we're spending all this time, you know, and it wasn't character development. It was just like a bunch of throwaway lines with Liam Neeson just sort of randomly kind of tying it together with, you know, looking back at the poetry, the shitty poetry that his father wrote. And hey, it got published. Well, okay, great. <laughs> Fan- good. I In can- a fictional book. <laughs> great. Fantastic. Um, you know. On the wall. It was I framed. Can- I'll publish like, a photo of my butt with... A paragraph on it as an Amazon book. I can do that tonight. All right. Look for it on our social pages. <laughs> no, no. But it's like, so there was all these elements that they were just, I just don't think it landed. Like you've got Liam Neeson who clearly has some issues, you know, had a gun in his mouth again. I just, and it, like. No, you didn't. Yeah. And it's, um, it, it's just one of those, um, instances where I think they would have been far better like coming together, making tactical plans, taking some of the emotion out of it until the moments made sense. Like, what about the butting of the heads? The mirroring of the wolf pack idea with uh, people united under a leader, the alpha, Liam Neeson's obviously the alpha, and yeah. then there's contenders for the crown. There's that guy whose name eludes me who plays Skull... Cross face something. Who cares? Anyways. See, and again, so unmemorable. They may as no, well. No, I thought he was the the most memorable behind Neeson. I mean, Neeson's the main character. We're yeah. exploring his story. He's leading the group. We start the story with him. We know we're going to be following Liam Neeson, right? But this guy is constantly challenging Neeson's authority. Yeah. And authority's authority. Neeson's trying to be diplomatic about it. He's trying to get people involved, and then it kind of comes to a head where they're about to fight and they're robbed at that moment when the, when the wolf jumps in. But I thought I really liked their tension thing because I thought yeah. it was quite quite believable because 
Neeson, they only follow Neeson because he speaks with absolute confidence. Yeah. I know what's going on here. I was the person hired to protect you from wolves. I am the wolf commander. We're doing this for this reason. I'm leaving. I don't care if you follow me type thing. And then the people follow, right? Because people are scared. They just want to look to someone, anyone who's confident to follow them. We see that throughout human history. Yeah. Uh, and I thought though that bit really particularly worked. Yeah, 100%. And I think that that is a really good metaphor that um, I didn't sort of pick up on fully. Um, we haven't watched it three times like me. Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, no, but that, that's fair enough. And that, that is a really good element. But I just think far too much time was spent trying to make this, you know, some sort of comment on the human condition when it really should have been sped up with a lot more plans, a lot more drive to survive. Present, it, the moment. Yeah. And the future survival, not. What's going on yeah. in the greater bigger? What's the bigger picture here? There is no bigger picture. The bigger picture. Blinkered and laser focused. The bigger picture could have been played out with some other threat in some other setting. Well, they already had. See, they they double threaded, right? Like they had the elements. Mm. So this could have been a movie without wolves. Yeah. And it could have been a movie about people. Dances without wolves, I think it's called. <laughs> Dances without wolves. Well, here's the title of the, <laughs> the podcast episode. Thank you, Katie. <laughs> Uh, but it could have worked without the wolves because it's a plane crash in a hostile environment where they're all going to freeze if they stay in the same spot. They've got to keep moving. They've got to find their own or they've got to rely on someone to come and save them. There is the passive solution, which doesn't make for a good story, even if they do get rescued and it's not a good moral, right? Mm. And they sat there and the help came. The end. Like, why the fuck are we writing this movie? Yeah, exactly. Or... There's the active, you know, where you go, you take charge and you lead and there's the elements. The elements now happen to include the wolves, which makes it also a monster movie on top of that. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes it like a little bit closer to Alien in the sense that you can't just leave. You know, you can't just leave the threat. You have to deal with the threat. The threat is all around you. Plus there's a, a bigger threat that is literally looking to eat you. So if you do slow down, if you do stop, Yep. You're going to freeze to death if you're that unfortunate black guy. Um, or you're going to get eaten. Yeah. And I really kind of wanted to see that guy who gave up at the end get eaten. Not because I disliked him. By the end, I I hated him at the beginning because he's butting heads with my man Liam. Back off. Leave yeah. him alone. He's the, Do you know he's taken? He has a particular set of skills, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> do you but, know he's got full-blown AIDS? But like, <laughs> He's got more to deal with. He just kind of sat down to die. Yeah. But it seemed like he had accepted, based on what he had seen from other people dying, that he was going to die horrifically. And for me, color me sicko, I wanted to see if he still had his peace when he's being ripped to pieces. Yeah, it didn't right. have to be super gratuitous. I'm not talking about hostile here. But when the wolves rock up, just needed to see that that was definitely his end mm. because they already established that if you sit for too long, you might die. Yeah. Um, that was definitely his end and also how his resolve was when he was actually faced with the decision that he had made. So he decided to sit down and lay down and die. He wasn't obviously going to die of old age. He would eventually die of starvation or exposure, but more than likely because they were still being stalked by wolves, he was going to get eaten mm-hmm. and he was going to see them coming. Yep. Because clear visibility. Anyways, 
that was just one of the things that I sort of thought was a bit odd. We'd seen everyone else die, right? Yeah. But wouldn't you rather, like, and you can not prefer this, but wouldn't you have rather the dramatic tension being in the pursuit of survival instead of wasting time on theological philosophy? Oh, I'm not disagreeing with you. And like, I've obviously got my own movie. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know, this. I know, I know. But no, I, I totally agree uh, with the idea that it, it sort of felt like we're going to have these quiet moments um, and they had to write it around the quiet moments and you make the quiet moments in just terms of sheer exhaustion. Yeah. So they're going to have to stop, but also stopping means that the wolves come in. Yeah. The wolves are going to surround them. So that like stopping becomes a tension point. Yeah. It's like you need to rest, but they don't want to, but like people are slower, whatever. So to rest, they establish a rule about fire. They later don't break it, but they bend that rule when the, the wolf jumps in yeah. and tries to take out the dude, like, that's fucking cool because you're like, it's like playing a, a horror game. You know, there's certain horror games, like I'm thinking of Dead Space. I'm not sure if Resident Evil is another example, but certainly later ones are. Totally. Dead Space is awesome. So is Resident Evil. Dead Space is awesome. But you get up to certain rooms that you know are safe spaces. There's yes. a safe, an obvious save point. You know that you can walk over to it, save it. There's not going to be something that drops down on you and jumps no. at you. So you relax. And I always think that that's a missed opportunity. You only have to fuck with someone once to make it feel unsafe. And that's what the yeah. gray does. I think that's what the gray does well from a plot perspective. They yeah. say, we're safe around fire. And you're like, oh, not only do they have oh, a yeah, fire like, in the like middle. Like Tomb Raider is that you save it at a, at a campfire. You know, and, and your loadout and your, your stash yeah. is in, like, dead spaces, like a certain room But or, there's no creepy area. things in those rooms. No, true. Never. That's very Not true. Not once. Yeah. Whereas if you look at something like Alien Isolation, which I know you didn't play a shitload of, but Alien Isolation... But I'm going to. That's the important thing. Okay, well, that is the important thing. It's too long anyway. It's a, it's a great game that literally should have been six hours shorter and it would have been this lean, mean, fucking, un- indisputable, like, amazing gem of a game it's still fantastic but you go to a save point and if your idea is you're going to game it like oh i'm being chased by the xeno i'm going to run over and i'm going to save it haha it's going to reset this no if you fucking get that save off and it stabs you in the back that's what happens when you load it now they've got a little backup system where you can reload the save before that do not panic people thinking that's the worst game ever but what it does is it means no save zone is safe and you want to get to it you but need to get but to that it. May be to I'm your going detriment. to lose progress, but if you think that thing's watching you, you wait. And so it makes sitting still tense. And that sort of stuff is fantastic. So I no, appreciate that. No, from no, a, that, that's, a, that's a great point. It from, really a, is. from a structural uh, point of view. But I'm just, again, I'm trying to deconstruct this in the, my head. Obviously, I haven't had a talk with the writer slash director or have any insights on this. But... I just find it interesting, like I agree with you that there is an opportunity there to talk about something better, more immediate, or to pick a topic that maybe is, or dialogue, that's more effective. Yeah. Because, yeah, if you don't connect with like, I'm never going to get angry at someone for, because I like the great, I love it. It's not essential viewing, but I think that it's enjoyable and it copped a bad rap. Um, but if someone, like you've said, says, oh, I didn't really like that they were just sort of waxing lyrical about life and death, and I'm like, fair point. Fair point. No, no, it's just, I just, I thought that it could be cooler, you know? It's set in snow and it's not fucking cool. 
What, no. How would you make a cooler? It would just be plans, fast pace. Plans don't... Weapons. Yeah, weapons. Like, Let's get armed. Let's kill some wolves. There was no fight back. It was just running away. Like, you need to devise a plan. Like, if, you're, if you've just seen someone get eaten, how are you protecting yourself? And it can't just be run. Like, there will be the time, and there was the time, when there's nowhere to run. So what are you doing? Where are you going? I liked the clocks, you know. Yeah. Um, there's a, a writing tool that, you know, says that you, if you put a clock on something, it, it ups the tension. Yeah. It makes people count down. The audience counts down as well, right? So they had their clocks. They had their longer-term clock, which was the elements, mm. uh, which we saw the evidence of, you know, the black guy died. Yeah. He just just sat there for too long and he wasn't close enough to the fire, wasn't warm enough, whatever. So he froze and he died. So that becomes a potential threat of these guys aren't wearing stuff that's warm enough to survive. So on a long enough timeline, they're dying from exposure. Maybe on a shorter timeline, like they don't really have access to water or food. Yeah. So that's going to kill them. But more immediately, there's the, <laughs> there's the wolves. Yeah. So it was really like... What I like about a survival movie, whether it's horror or otherwise, is when I can't sit there in my comfortable chair and go, bullshit, I would just do this. Like fucking paranormal activity can go fuck itself. Yeah. Fuck that movie because they could have left. Now, if you set up that you can't leave because of boogie boogie reason, mm. cool, didn't do it. There is literally no reason that they shouldn't leave. There's also literally no reason why the fucking boyfriend who's a prick who sees literally sees evidence of paranormal activity mm. continues to go with his experiment and fucks with shit and beyond that when he brings the the luigi board the wega board how to make wega board <laughs> when he brings <laughs> does he have a luigi board how do I make a Luigi When he whips board? out the Ouija board, his girlfriend <laughs> is terrified. So yeah. it doesn't matter what fucking scientific, atheistic, fucking he's right, ghosts don't exist, high ground he is living on. She's terrified and you probably shouldn't terrorize or no. terrify people. Just simply. But, they, you know, they, they do those sorts of bullshit little plot conveniences to make people stay in a single location to make it scary. Whereas you've got something like Alien, you can't step outside. You know, you set it underwater at the bottom of the ocean, you can't just go, I would have just fucking bailed. You set it in a in the situation, yeah. snowy, however many degrees below zero. And, and where they shot was apparently like that level of cold. Yeah. So they're not really having to act too hard when it comes to that. Uh, you're gonna. I'm like. I'm gonna. Oh, I'm gonna die. What would I do? What would I do? <laughs> and I don't have an easy answer. I don't want an easy answer in a survival movie. Well, and and to uh, to that point, to get into character, they killed four wolves. They used two as props, and they ate the other two. That's the actors, not the characters. That's fucking great group method. Yeah. So, um, but you know, Liam Neeson's Irish, and you know. What tends to happen is it's just any old shit with carrots and onion and that's a meal. So, um. As long as there's alcohol involved. Yeah. Too stereotypical? <laughs> Not stereotypical. No, no. Katie's Irish-ish, so well, I, I can get away with that, I feel, maybe. maybe I not. think my uh, my earliest memory of Irish stew is uh, a 
again, carrots and onions, and then taking a big bite of something and crunching down hard, only to have to spit out a shotgun pellet. <laughs> well, it doesn't get more rigid than that. Yeah. Um, no, but, that, you know, that's fine. Um, they they caught a lot of shit from uh, Peter on that, but, you know. Oh, did they? Yeah, whatever. Um, but, yeah, like, I just... You, you've you've raised some points that would make a, a second watch quite interesting for me, but no, I don't want you to do that. No, 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 but it's it's true. Like it, it's um, it's interesting the you know the wolf pack element and stuff like that. But how I would have probably done it is, you know, okay, guess who the alpha male is? It's Liam Neeson's character. Like he's head of the wolf pack. It's time to listen him to him for, you know, a fairly complex plan on survival and longevity despite the conditions. And that doesn't mean there's a guarantee of everybody just moving through as a horde to the end and it's all happy families. It shouldn't end like that. That would be deeply unsatisfying to everybody and and highly unrealistic in something that's already, you know, you're sort of suspending your disbelief a bit, you know. Um, But I just – the fact that there was more time spent on – you know, what will happen in the afterlife and, you know, cursing God for what he should have done better instead of just trying to find things to defend yourself with. Because it comes back to that whole thing. It's like, you can run, but you can't hide. Bitch. Bitch. <laughs> oh, bitch. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, it, it, it's... There, there was an ill-preparedness in this thing that affected each character, like, every character... And sure, there should be a few like that, but shouldn't there be one survival adept person among them that isn't just Liam Neeson? That doesn't make it stronger if it's just one of them. Well, maybe. I mean, personally, because I'm fucked up, I would probably kill that person off real quick. Like, deeply well, these see, styles, you yeah, know? Yeah, that would be very interesting. Where you're like, this, they're safe because this person's been here before, so they've got an experience. Oh my God, he's been eaten by a shark. But, you know, what I would like to see from it is I want it to pick one track and keep up the pace with that tone. If they pick action, it has to be faster. If they pick drama, they're on track for whatever they were trying to do there and it would be pretty fucking boring. I've My first note was pure survival, descent into inhumanity, in brackets, no prayers. So there you go. On the same page with that point. So a little bit more like the descent where they actually become, they turn on each other more, not just yeah. one guy butting heads with Liam Neeson, but there's a constant bickering and, and it becomes a question, an underlying question that's never really asked out loud of like, what are we trying to save here? Yeah, and yeah. who is actually interested in survival for the group beyond their own survival? And the idea that there are no... Um, easy, obvious solutions. For all they know, they could have stayed there for two hours and the plane comes to save them, you know? You don't know, and that's the whole idea. Is like it's unknown. Is it better to sit there and wait to see what's going to happen or is it better to do something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it would have been better, Leah. Yeah, get rid of all the philosophical stuff and then just have them slowly turning on each other while they're being hunted. And then a yeah. little reminder every once in a while that they're going to get eaten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because then, then, then there's two threats then. There's each other and then there's, yeah. the, there's the beast. Yeah, I think that would have been the better way to, to do the duality um, 
and the wolf pack is organized outside of that one attempt at the throne at taking the king's spot which gets shot down yeah. that wolf pack is very organized so i find that one of the earlier deaths to be the most freaky that weird longer-haired stoner guy who's complaining about everything uh and he's kind of lagging behind the group and then they don't do they don't kill him in the same way that the first guy who's having a piss dies very suddenly quickly flash teeth blood shadow death oh my god that's confronting it's a bit terrifying but when you see the guy lagging behind the group not by a whole lot and he's like guys wait up wait up and they turn around and there's just this wolf pack just zeroing down on him and they've made the decision as a group the wolves and they've gone yeah we can get this one before they get to us and we're going to kill them in plain sight like they set up the wolves as this, we're going to be ninjas. Yep. And then they decide to go, no, they're just going to kill you when you isolate yourselves. It doesn't matter if you're in full view or you're not in full view. And it just kind of ramped that thread up a bigger level where you're like, oh, shit, like these wolves don't give a fuck. No, and that like I said, more moments like that, though. I mean, that was really the only big moment we got between human and wolf. Like, that was it. Then you've got very end, which is a whole clusterfuck on its own. Oh, and then when it jumps over the fire, that's the other one. That's the other big one. Yeah, yeah. They well, kill it and cool. then they parade its head. And I like that. I like that moment because again, they're not talking about. There's a little human like we're celebrating. We did it. Yeah. We did something. We killed one of you. It's like if they bleed, you can kill them. But even though there's a whole other fucking who knows how many more waiting to kill them, they're like, yeah, we did it, and they kind of rally around that. Yeah. And that's where the headbutting stops as well. Although I probably would have kept it going. I mean, for my movie, um, what I would like, the one that I really like, I think I came up with a few different ideas, but the one that I like the most is, have you seen The Mist? Yeah. What I really like about The Mist is that there is this crossroads point in it where people choose to stay or they choose to go. Yep. Now, there is no guarantee that the people who stay are going to survive. There's no guarantee that the people who go are going to live. There's just two shitty options. And it's not like they choose to go with one or the other. The group splits up, right? And we get to see what happens to the people that stay and it doesn't end so well for them, nor does it really end particularly well for the people that choose to go either. Mm. But I like that idea and I would do that in the grad. Have everything up until the crash happen. I would ditch the shit poem. <laughs> fuck the poem. You or, fucking hate the poem. I fucking hate the poem. But you know what? I mainly hate the poem because his dad wrote it. Had his dead or dying wife written it. And you know what? If it was a terrible poem, and this is going to sound mean because I really hope that the writer-director didn't think he wrote a good poem. <laughs> because it wasn't. Um, I would really hope that you could have that same shitty poem and his wife has written it and he says it or he has it up and people notice it and they're like, Bro, what is this? What is this fucking emo poem? Yeah. And you could establish that tension between him and the the guy that's going to be the main rival immediately, and he gets super overly defensive, and people are talking about he wrote it, or maybe his dad wrote it, or whatever. And later on, it's revealed that his wife wrote it, but his wife, who had a brain tumor or something like, so she's written a shit poem, but it's dear to him because it's something that she wrote for him before she died like the China John Wick idea it's not John Wick isn't a movie about a guy who kills a bunch of people 
because his dog is killed and his car is taken. It's a movie about a guy who like believes that he has a life that is destined to be death, who is shown another way where someone will love him and value him and treasure him and think that he's amazing. Um, so he does what it takes to get out by killing everyone. Yeah. And then when she is taken away from him, he has nothing to live for. Yeah. John, well, John, Liam Neeson in the snow with a gun style thing. Like what's he going to do next? Yeah. And so she leaves him something. It's not about the actual dog. It's about the fact that his wife gave it to him and what his wife meant to him. Exactly. It could have been anything. Yeah, yeah, anything. It could have been a vase. Yeah. It doesn't fuck. It could have been the car. And she yeah. gave him the car. It's not the point. The point is that it's actually a lot deeper than what that movie Keanu. Did you ever see that movie Keanu? Yeah. The cat. Great movie, by the way. Mm. But like they obviously took that premise and said this can't be done seriously. And then they saw John Wick and they literally said, ah, oh, that's how you do that idea. My bad. And then they got Keanu to voice the cat, which is fucking amazing. But anyway, so you do that. So, like, it's not so much that the poem is Pulitzer Prize-worthy, genius. Oh, my God, Shakespeare's rolling over in his grave because his, his successor has come along. It's that it has sentimental value to the main character that lives now. Now, they did kind of try to establish that, but it was with his dad. Who gives a fuck about his dad? Yeah. The only thing we knew about his dad was that he wrote this fucking shit poem that got published <laughs> once. And, and then his wife's there, like, just pick a lane, bro. And we don't care about the past. Like you said, we care about the present and we care about their future. But there's nothing else to care about when that's what's propelling, like, more than three quarters of the story. But that's what a survival story is. Yes. The only bit of the future you care about is whether they survive. Yeah. And that is dictated by the decisions they make in the present. And, for and, better or for worse. And whatever leftover feelings are between him and his dad are so irrelevant in the moment of whether you're going to live or die through being eaten by a pack of wolves is of so little revel yeah. like, relevance. And his wife, in that respect. Like, well, But she's his backstory motivator. That's why yeah, he wanted to kill himself totally, again. I would keep totally. all of that. I would just tweak that bit. But what I would really change is that the crash, I would have, and this would require you to have two names. So you'd have Liam Neeson and... I don't know who's his equivalent. You have Keanu Reeves. I don't give a shit. Pick any other name that is as big as Liam Neeson and they play the second role. So you have equal build Hollywood stars in a movie together and they crash and they decide like the mist, half the group wants to fucking stay and half the group wants to go. So you dedicate the movie to exploring the decisions of who was right. Now, yep. neither was right and neither was wrong because hindsight is like this year, 2020. Oh, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> he just went there. Um, and you, it's unfair. I mean, we all do it, but it's unfair to judge yourself on anyone else on information that you gleaned after the fact. Yeah. Right? If they'd known, nah, shit, dog, I can see the future. And like in two hours, it's going to be a helicopter. Who the fuck's leaving? Yeah. If you'd established that Liam Neeson was a wizard who could see the future, then you would be an idiot to not listen to him had he established that. Mm -hmm. They obviously didn't do that. So you have two peep, two groups, and I guess for the most part, outside of the philosophical waxing lyrical, I'd have it be more like ravenous or alive or something where they start turning on each other, maybe start having to eat each other or something like that. Maybe spread it out a little bit more than just the three hours, two days or whatever they're being hunted for. 
um, and then really check in and out for both of them. Now, the ones that stay at the camp are probably like getting attacked by wolves mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Right? Like this could be a, I don't know how big wolf packs get. It's a fucking movie. Let's make a massive. So the wolf pack split off into two, let's say. And they're hunting the other ones that have left because they're still in their territory and they're staying to attack the ones that decide to fortify, mm -hmm. right? We've decided to stay. Both are turning on each other and it's this exploration of what the audience is looking for is who is ultimately right and you end it in the same way because I appreciate the sentiment, although I don't think they really put a big old full stop on it well enough because they have a stinger at the end, Yeah. of they were both wrong. Like they both end up dying. Mm -hmm. Everyone fucking dies. You know what? It doesn't matter because the and, whole- And it's realistic, but it's a little unsatisfying. It was unsatisfying, but it's the idea of like asking the audience and not giving them a satisfying answer of, oh, well, I'd feel I followed Keanu Reeves because the rescue plane turned up. That's why I would have followed him. No, I would have followed Liam Neeson because he escaped. Like, no, it's saying, what do you, what would you do? We're not giving you the answer. And yeah, it's not satisfying, but it's just more about the, the journey rather than the destination, but it's more about the exploration of the character interactions, the tensions, how people turn on each other. Also how people are so willing to follow someone else who speaks with supreme confidence about something. Yeah and they go all in with it and they'll defend that person that they don't really know, that idea. So you have two different camps, both losing people in different ways, both with the survivors probably wishing that they'd done the other thing. Yeah. Maybe with people trying to leave and go between the two, getting taken out by wolves. And you create this really hopeless situation of what would I do in a situation where there are no easy answers, where ultimately, according to this story, I have to die. And yeah, that's fucking morbid. Yeah. But it seems like that is tonally consistent with the through line of what he wanted to tell. Yeah. A, a story about a guy who wanted to die because he had no purpose. A guy who was particular, had a particular set of skills, who was given purpose, mm. an immediate, I don't need to think about how much I hate my life purpose. Yeah. Who became useful in a way that was you couldn't ignore. And he gets to the end of it only to realize that it's all kind of hopeless. Yeah. Right? Like what he thought he was doing and leading the people away from hoping that he was leading them away from the wolves' den was right towards it, which means the wolves are assumedly going to be even more aggressive because maybe they've got kids or whatever, cubs there. Who knows? But like the point is that he gets there and he doesn't win. He doesn't muster up that final bit of strength to defeat them. The other thing that you could potentially introduce, like I was saying before, is if you kill the alpha, does that change anything? Now, you could introduce it in one of two ways. Yes, you kill the alpha, you win. Yeah. In that you don't have to worry about the wolves anymore, but you still got to worry about everything else or you buy yourself some time. So that would be your idea of like the planning, the plan. Yeah. Someone plans to fuck this. We're getting picked off. I'm not doing this anymore. We're going after the big dog and we're going to try to take him out and how that plays out. Or you make that plan and they do it and it ultimately doesn't do anything because the wolves just, the next one becomes the alpha and it just kind of repeats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, I, for me, I just, I didn't see much evidence of survival mode kicking in long enough for any character apart from Liam Neeson. Yeah. 
They were all deferring to him except for the guy who was butting heads with him and then he got over that. Well, they, but he didn't have any alternate route of success for them all surviving, you know. No, no, I'm not just, saying agree It was just him. argumentative and, like, forgettable. But you should do that in a survival movie. People yeah. are fucking scared. They're shitting themselves. Yeah. They realise that whether they're following their own gut or you or anyone else that there's a chance that one or everyone is wrong and that the stakes are that they will die. Yeah. Those are big stakes. Those are very dramatically rich stakes. Totally. And, yeah, they, I mean, again, it's not a movie that for me is a 10 out of 10. I get a bit, like I said before, like probably like a seven strong wolf pack out of 10. <laughs> and you, what, gave it a six? Six and a half. There you go. You weren't that far behind me. Um yeah, like I Look, think it, that there, it got more right than it good, got wrong. Yeah, there's still um, good moments. When it gets it really right, whether it be dramatic or harrowing or gory or terrifying, it gets it really right. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely for me... Oh, there, there are those hero moments like the the wolf jumping across the fire and all that stuff and, you know, the very first person getting eaten, so therefore the threat is established... Those things are really cool. Yeah. Um, and I think the premise is awesome. I just wish they'd done more with it. I wish it was more fast paced. I wish that this, that they'd the stakes are high, but they didn't show that well enough, in my opinion. Oh, they could have done better. I mean, I yeah. just yeah. I'm not. I'm not just saying that. That's how I do it because that's the bit of our show. <laughs> I mean, it's ba, our ba, hook. Ba, ba. But like that, if I was given that idea or that script and said, "What would you change?" That's what I'd change. Totally. Because I think that there is a very good foundation, a very strong foundation for a survival movie there. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was a bit fucked over by its marketing, which is, must be so unfortunate for creatives. Uh, but I also think that, yeah, you didn't go in and go, oh, they were robbed because it's actually a 10 out of 10 movie. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit confused. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. Execution suffers from it because I think it's it's almost like a too many cooks moment for me. Like someone's gone, no, no, let's like at the time of where you know it's life and death, you know, let's give them some time to mull over what that really means for them and their religious ide you know ideology. You know, in in a survival action film, nobody should have that time. I don't I don't mind the slower moments. Because they'd established the tension, I do agree that they could have been better focused on other topics of conversation. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because I mean, for me, it's like there was so much time spent on that that every character should have like, could have been just any other. Like, I there yeah. is there is barely any differentiation between. They're trying to explore every... a theme rather than characters, rather yeah. than a group. Yeah. Yeah, and and that annoyed me a bit. Yeah. And with that, a word from our sponsors. Here's My Movie is brought to you by Rodenta Energy, Krakow's fourth largest provider of rat-generated electricity. As the old saying goes, if your energy ain't all that, better add a rat. And that's with thanks to our sponsors of Rodenta Energy in Krakow. Bless Keep hearts. <laughs> all right, so... Yeah, we're we're pretty much on the same page, which is which is quite good. Um, but it's just left me wanting to see a really kick-ass survival 
horror slash action film where people are like trying to beat the shit out of a wolf. Yeah. As was promised by the trailer. It's though. been done now. Yeah, it's so been maybe done. Maybe they now. won't do it. Maybe they'll revisit in 10 to 20 years when they run out of ideas again. Yeah, 100%. Or they'll just do a sequel. And my, look, my parting thought is I was kind of waiting for Taylor Lautner as a wolf to show up with maybe a sparkly vampire. I know we, we mentioned Kristen Stewart before and that I brought back... I believe it's Kirsten. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, and that brought back a whole bunch of Twilight memories and I was never a fan of that series. And would you be? Just hideous. Yeah. But yeah, so... We'd like to thank our friends of the podcast as well. Yes. Movie Weekly, our amazing art, our banner and that. Yes. Designed by stupendously talented Raymond Bannerman. Yes, we love you, Ray, and thank you so much for your ongoing support. And you check out Movie Weekly. It's on Facebook. Uh, occasionally I do reviews for it. Katie and I get to go and see movies on behalf of it uh, whenever we want to, but we basically just pick the movies we want to see. But you should definitely yeah. check out Movie Weekly. And also The Gap. The uh, oh, I was going to say what it stands for, but I don't think it stands for that anymore. I don't know what it stands for, but it's a gaming podcast. And recently I did an episode, actually a spoiler cast episode, that was on Rise of Skywalker. Now that doesn't mean, don't read into that. You should just go check it out. It was pure analysis. There will come a time, I believe Katie has been requested to do Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, a couple of people out there. Thank you so much for keeping us in mind. Um, they've asked us to do our analysis of Rise of Skywalker. I would almost certainly say that there are more after your huge uh, historical knowledge of the the series as a whole rather than me going, oh, fucking Han Solo is mad, eh? Um, so it's <laughs> a very kind, of, kind way of saying I'm a massive Star Wars nerd. Yeah. Uh, we will um, do that, but we're not going to do it anytime soon. Uh, we're only a little rule internally. I can't remember if we've said it before, is that we wait for a movie to hit home release at the very earliest. Yeah. And then we try to not do too many sort of recent movies. Yeah. Uh, just because we find that people might not have seen them. I mean, with Star Wars, it's obviously a little bit different, but we don't want to be known as that show that's doing more recent movies. We want to spend more time doing things like The Grey. Next week, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. We're going to be doing The Happening. What is happening? No, we haven't. We haven't done the happening. No, we haven't done the happening. But it, it's what started this whole thing, I'm pretty sure. No, that was truth or dare. <laughs> but True. very early on we said we've got to do truth. Katie, 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 we've got to watch happening. It's definitely going to be an episode. We had to wait to watch it with a friend of the podcast, Joe. Uh, and yes, it was <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a movie. Well, I'm looking forward to doing that one. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, but just on The Gap, that is Australia's longest-running games podcast, so you should definitely check it out. They just hit 500 and episodes recently. They just hit 500 Spoiler episodes. was a bonus episode. I don't think that counts. Maybe 500 first. No, it's not officially 500 first, but, so there's even more episodes. But you can hear me ranting about Rise of Skywalker. Uh, I do say at the end of that, that episode that I have 10,000 more thoughts to say about Rise of Skywalker. So there's a good chance when we get around to ours that I will say stuff that you probably didn't hear too much on that podcast if you do listen to it. Yeah, and look, it's a really great podcast and you really should check it out, um, especially if you're a gamer. Um, really great, really great guys, Job and Luke, 
run that one and um, they're far more diligent than <laughs> Nate and I at getting this out. 500. Uh, but we are trying and they are our benchmark. So one day we hope to be like them. Where can people contact us, Katie? Hit us up at heresmymovie.com. You can also hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash heresmymovie. And the same on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash heresmymovie. Probably the easiest way to get in touch with us is via email because I'm a very, very old person. And that is hello at heresmymovie.com. So that will be the fastest way that we can get back to you on anything you might want. But we'd like to thank you for joining us today. And we really do appreciate you sitting through these things with us. Um, if you can hear a tap, 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 that's our cat's noggin smashing into the microphone. Purring and biting the microphone. Yeah, so he's well and truly ready for us to wrap this episode up. But I, I really do thank you for sticking by us and we are going to put out content whenever we can. It has been an absolute pleasure to share our thoughts with you and if you have some of your own we really would love to hear them and we will read them out on an episode and yeah. we will digest them um we can always backtrack on what we're doing you know we can talk about the gray in our next episode for the happening and vice versa we'll so make a new segment called writings to us i'll get to name it because no, i'm really great Nate's at naming, not naming anything anymore so don't <laughs> worry about that and uh yeah once again thank you so much and we'll catch you next time thank you bye bye goodbye a backwards man a backwards man we'll go back as fast as you can <laughs>